0: Father, I pray that you prepare my heart, my mind, and my spirit to give this message. Father, I pray, Lord, that you be glorified and not myself, that you be the focus and not myself. Lord, I pray for every person here today that we would recognize that this is the house of God, that you deserve respect, that you deserve everything of us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can be here today as brothers and sisters in community here at Hope Center, Father. And we pray, Lord, that your hand be over this church, over this community, and over these people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hi, everyone. How's everyone doing? If you're standing, you could sit down if you want. Um, So, last week we talked about worship, worship. And so we've been going through this series called Spiritual Disciplines for an Imperfect Life. And the reason why I wanted to do this series is because we're all imperfect. We're not perfect. And so this applies to every single person, whether you're a brother or sister from the street, whether you're a brother and sister from the south side, from the west end, wherever you might be from, this is a series for you. And sadly... Today is the conclusion. Can we say ah? Aw. In our last, last week, when we talked about worship, we talked about not one word for worship, but actually seven. When we simplified this to a phrase, we simplified it to worship is your strategy, but Jesus is your source. Today, as we talked about in the beginning of this series, this is going to be less of a preaching. And more of a teaching. Today, we're going to talk about how to read the Bible. And so the Bible, why why is it important to read the Bible? Well, there's no better way to get to know your God, to know your God and his character, to know your God and his nature, and to know your God and his goodness, and the life that he has from you. He has this life for you that only comes through the word of God. Yet, the reality is, even though this Word of God is so powerful that it can literally shift people's lives from addiction to freedom, from prostitution to actual relationships that are meaningful, the Bible has power, but yet so many people don't read it. And why is that? A lot of people don't read the Bible because they don't understand it. A lot of people don't un- read the Bible because they simply don't agree with it. A lot of people don't read the Bible simply because they're uninformed in-, in what is in it. And I believe that many Christians, many people that believe in the name of Jesus, don't read the Bible simply because they don't know how to read the Bible. And it's so, it's almost this embarrassment. As though you need to know how to read the Bible. And because you don't know, you're going to be looked down upon. Here at Hope Center, I promise you one thing. You will not be looked down upon for being unperfect. Isn't that a good amen? (laughs) And so when people learn how to read a Bible, there's usually two methods. There's one method, which is reading the Bible from beginning to end. And so they do Genesis They do Exodus, and they get to Leviticus, and oh my gosh, people sink. They give up, and the reason why is because Leviticus is a lot of laws. I mean a lot of laws, and so it's a lot of, lot of, lot of words. Another way that people have learned to read the Bible over the years because they just are uninformed, they don't know how to do it, is that they open their Bible, and I used to do this when I was younger. This is not... I would not encourage you to do this. They open the Bible, they kind of close their eyes, and they point in a random place in the Bible, and they're like, okay, Lord, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to open my eyes, and whatever it is, this is what applies to me and to my life. And so they end up in Ezekiel 4.12, and this is what Ezekiel 4.12 says. It says, and you shall eat as a barley cake, baking it in their sight on human poop. That is in the Bible. (laughs) And so people randomly are trying to say, well, this is what God has for me, and they end up in a really, really weird place that has nothing to do with them, right? And so what I want to do today, the purpose of this message today, is to help you learn how to study the Bible effectively and make it a part of your daily life. And you might have been taught that the Bible is really hard to read, and as long as As much as you try to read it, you will not understand it, but I'm here to tell you that we're going to learn a way today so that you can understand what you read and you can apply what you read. And so let's begin with five important tips on how to study the Bible. Ezekiel 4.12. 4.12? 4.12, yes. You're welcome. And so five important tips on how to study the Bible. Choose a translation you understand is number one. Number two is choose a time and a place and a plan to study. Number three is understand the context, which is the background. Number four is read slowly and ask questions. And number five is pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. And so these are five tips on how to study the Bible. And so let's begin with this first point. Choose a translation you understand. I remember when I was younger, I went to the same church my whole entire life. And so I haven't really read the Bible. I was a kid, and so we had like this little, I forget what it was called, but it has like a tiger on it, and it's like this special study Bible for kids. And so I remember I told myself as a kid, I, I want to read the Bible. And I knew that like our, our church has these chairs that have Bibles underneath, if you, if you didn't know that. And so I remember I grabbed one of those Bibles from underneath, and guess what version it was? Old King James, Old King James Version. And so I'm thinking to myself as a kid, well, Old King James Version Bible sounds kind of fancy, so I'm going to try to read it. And so I open the Bible, and I begin to read, and I'm telling you now, my little brain exploded because I could not understand what the, this King James Version meant. And let me give you an example of what, it, what the King James Version is, what I read when I was a kid. So in Romans one, 2, chapter 2, number 1, you don't have to flip there, but this is in King James translation. I'm going to try my best. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whatsoever thou art, thou judgest. (laughs) For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doesn't the same things. Did you understand that? (laughs) Kind of. And so imagine my little brain, when I try to read this, it just exploded. And so I can't stress enough that it's so important to choose a translation of a Bible that you understand. And this will help you tremendously to comprehend what you're reading. And so imagine if you're a new Christian and you give someone a Bible that's King James Version, they're going to have a really hard time understanding what they're trying to read, right? Because it's King James Version. But now if you were to give them a new living translation, which is for more new believers, now they'll probably understand it more than if you gave them the Bible you felt comfortable with. Does that make sense? And so I wanna recommend four translations that you can use in your daily life that is easy to understand. I'm not going to say that you're limited to these four because there's, I think there's like 3,000 different translations, something like that, something crazy. But let me give you four. NIV, which is New International Version, and so what this version is is essentially is is a modern translation of what the original writers of the Bible were trying to say, and then it says it in plain English. It tries to say it as easy as you possibly can understand. Now, number two is New Living Translation. This is a a translation that you if it you usually give to youth and to kids. And the reason being because it it really simplifies uh, the principles of the Bible so that a kid can understand it, so a youth can understand it. And if you're a new believer, this also is an important translation because it helps you to understand as well. Now, I was talking about the the King James Version, really hard to understand. Well, they made a new King James Version. And what this version is, is essentially the King James Version, but a little more understandable. And so if you like the oomph that the, that the King James has, the new King James Version is for you. And now the ESV is the English Standard Version. And I looked this up. This translation is the closest translation that they have from Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic to English. And so it's like a a side-by-side comparison of what you would read if we translate it directly. And so I'm not going to say, again, that that you're limited to these four translations because there's plenty out there. But these four translations of the Bible, in my opinion, have been the easiest for me to understand that uses modern language and is helpful to comprehend what you're reading. It is important to find a translation you understand. And so if you have a Bible um, and it's hard to understand, you know, you could come to the staff and you can ask us, hey, you talked about this Bible that I can understand a little better. I think I need that. And we'll see and we'll figure out something to get you one of those. Number two is choose a time, a place, and a plan to study. The number one thing I can recommend with the second tip is to stick with the specific time and place and be consistent. Because if you're not consistent, then often you'll convince yourself not to read the Bible, right? And I've done this plenty of times in my life. For example, college. I went to college to be a pastor. I studied the Bible in class. That was my work. And often I would convince myself, well, I studied the Bible for college, why do I have to read it on my own, right? Not a good way to think, right? And so it's important that you're consistent with a time and a place, that you're consistent in reading the Bible because you will often convince yourself that you don't need to read it. When possible, I recommend reading the Bible in the morning, and the reason for this is because when you read it in the morning, you have the whole day to meditate on what you just read. And so, for example, you go to the cor- the your coworker and your coworker kind of got on your on your case, right? And it got you a little upset. Well, you just read to be quick to listen and sl- quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Well, now you have something to apply to your day because you started in the morning. Now, I know people like Joe over here in the back uh, go to work early in the morning, right? Because we meet at 7 a.m. on Fridays because he, he works really early. So I understand reading the Bible early is hard for people. People, Some people aren't, aren't, aren't morning people, right? And so I understand that. And so just find a time that works for you. And so if you work in the morning, uh, maybe UPS, and you're working from night all the way to the, the morning, like 10 a.m., sleep, please, but then read the Bible in the nighttime or read the Bible when you wake up to eat something, you know. Um, and it's it's really important to do that. Another thing is to have a place. And you want this place to be somewhere comfortable, uh, somewhere where maybe it's a coffee shop that you like or maybe it's a special chair. Like I have a chair at my house that I call my dad chair and I just sit in there. It's a recliner. Uh, and that's my favorite place to be. Uh, for some people, it's being in their office. Like When I come in for, to work on the preaching, usually I'm in my office. It's quiet, um, and it feels good to be just there with God. There's no distractions. And this is an important thing about this, is that you want to be in a place where there's no distractions, right? Because God wants your focus on Him. He wants your focus on Him. And so if you have, you're in a coffee shop, and maybe your mind can't double-task, and you see all these people running around in the background while you're trying to read the Bible, often you will be distracted. And so find a place where you can be focused, where there's no distractions, and where you can be consistent with this place. And the cool thing is that you don't have to be bounded to one place. You can switch sometimes. And so I can go from my office to the zoo in their little courtyard and I can read the Bible there. And that's the cool thing about reading the Bible is it's not limited to a place. But again, be consistent and be in a place where you can focus. Another thing is to find a type of Bible that works for you. There's a couple types of Bibles that you can have. There's paper, which is what many of you have today. There's also digital, which you could use on your phone. And with that, that really came in when I was younger. Uh, So maybe Some of my elderly uh, brothers and sisters don't really know how to use that. Use paper, please. Use paper. I'd rather you not get frustrated and use the paper Bible. Another way is a a pretty new way is using audio. And so now you can actually listen to the Bible um, using this app called, let me see, I have it here. Life, where is it? It is called... Life Bible, I believe, and it's an app that you have, and you can actually, you press this play button, and it reads it to you, and so if you're a, a kind of person that works, and you commute, right, and you're like, I can't read, well, no excuse. You can listen to it, right, and so find, find a, a way that works for your lifestyle. For me, I do digital because when I do preachings, often I'm using my computer, and I'm using something called Logos, which helps me translate words, and it has uh, background and commentaries. And maybe that doesn't work for you. Just use a paper Bible. But find something that works for you. Last thing with this point is have a plan to study. And so whether this is a goal to finish 1 Corinthians by the end of December, or even have a Bible plan to finish the Bible in a year, or even downloading the Version Bible app, Uh, There's so many different plans that you can have when reading the Bible. And the good thing about the YouVersion Bible app is this is thousands and thousands of plans you have in your hand because of your phone. And so what you can do by using your phone is it has everything from anxiety to stress to motivation, having a healthy marriage. I mean, everything. It has a plan for it. And so it's important Have a plan. Have a method that works for you. And have a place where you can be consistent. Number three is understand the context. And this was a really big, big thing when I was in college was to understand what you're reading. To understand what you're reading. And so when trying to understand the context of the Bible, you have to first understand that the Bible is much less just one book and is actually more of a library. And with that, there are a couple of things to keep in mind when talking about context. The Bible is a collection of 66 different books. The Bible is a collection of 66 different books written in three languages. And in these three languages are Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic across three continents, which at this time They broke it up into Asia, Africa, and Europe. And so these were the places that the Bible was written in. And this was over a 1,500-year time period that the Bible was written in. And it was written by 40 different authors with one inspiration being God. And so the Bible is a collection of many, many things. It's not just one thing. And so you can find poems and prophecies and letters laws, uh, histories, and biographies written by people that were inspired by God. And what they're doing by, by telling this story through the Bible is they're telling one unified story that shows us our need for Jesus and teaches us to be more like him. And so there is this study in college that if you look from the very beginning to the very end of the Bible, you would see this streamlined context that Jesus was the plan from the very, very beginning to the very, very end. Now that we know what the Bible is, when talking about the context for any specific book within the Bible, uh, when you're trying to find the context, you want to ask three important questions. And so imagine you want to study Genesis or Exodus. So one specific book, and you're trying to find the context for that specific book These are the three questions that you want to ask yourself. Who wrote that book? To whom was it written? Who was it written to? And lastly, what is its purpose? What is its purpose? What is the purpose of this book? What is the purpose of this book? When talking about a book in the Bible, you want to ask yourself these three questions because context matters. If you know the original intent of the scripture for the given time, people, and place, it allows you to have a better understanding of what you're reading, and you can apply it to your life through the scriptures accurately in your own life. And so what you'll notice uh, growing up, a lot of people used scriptures out of context. And so if you grab a scripture like, um, I don't know, any scripture that you can think of, I can use that scripture out of context and I can completely be missing the purpose of that scripture. Reason being because I didn't find the context. And so something that they taught me in college is you read a scripture and you want to know what happened before and you want to know what happens after. And so your scripture is kind of the middle. And so you want to know what happens before and what happens after. Because what you'll find is that a scripture often doesn't apply to you in a way you think it does. Because for the people, it was a different thing going on. And so that scripture that I said was my life verse, which is in Romans 8. And it says, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. That was to the Roman church because they had so many different religions that they were used to that when they became Christians, it was hard to understand the concept of love. Because the concept of love for them was the god Aphrodite. And the god Aphrodite said that they needed to have sex in, sex between each other in public so that they could worship this god. And so what Paul is doing in the scripture is not saying, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. No, he's saying, love is so much different than you think right? Love is so much different than you think because this is what you've been shown and this is what the God, the love of God is now, right? And so what you'll see is when you find the context, things start to make sense more. Scriptures start to, to live up. They start to come alive, right? It says that the, the Word of God is, is living, right? It's living, it's moving, it's breathing. And so let me give you an example in Romans. Who wrote the book of Romans? The apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans in about AD 57. To whom was it written? The book of Romans was a letter written to the Christians in Rome. And what is its purpose? The book of Romans was written by Paul to introduce himself and to give a declaration of faith. A declaration of faith is essentially the foundational facts of the gospel. And so what you see here, is I'm answering these questions so that as I go into the book of the Bible, I know what's going on, right? And so maybe that's hard for you to understand. Well, in many people's Bibles at the very beginning of the book, what you'll find is kind of this uh, summary of what it is. And so my Bible is a life application Bible. It tells me the major themes. It tells me, Um, what's the purpose, what was the original audience, and so many of your Bibles have that. If you don't have that, and you have a phone, you can easily, easily look it up and just say, what is this, what is this, what is this? Write that in your journal, write that in your phone, whatever it might be, and then start going into the book that you're reading, and what you'll see again is that the scriptures will come alive even more than you thought. Number four is read slowly and ask questions. Two questions you want to ask yourself when reading the Bible is, number one, what does this say about God? And number two, what is God saying to me? And so you want to, again, the Bible's focus is on Jesus. And so you want to ask, what does this say about God? And then again, the Bible applies to you. What does this say about me? And so, if you want to go even deeper beyond these two questions, I have a little bit of an acronym you can use in your life. And so, this is SPEC. SPEC. S P E C K. SPEC. S P E C K. And so, if you want to go beyond those questions of what is God saying to me and what is um, what does it say about God, these are some questions you can ask yourself. S. Is there a sin to be avoided? P, is there a promise to be claimed? E, is there example to follow? C, is there a command to obey? And K, is there something to know about God? And so if you want to go deeper in your relationship with God in your Bible and your lifestyle has time for that, I would recommend going into these questions. And I want to say some of these questions you won't be able to answer just for the context, whatever you're reading um, and that's okay. But try to answer them, and you'll see that things will start to expand. Your your knowledge will start to expand. Something that's amazing about learning about the Bible is that when you think you know enough, you realize you know you don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything. I went to college for four years to be a pastor. I studied the Bible so many times, and still, When I work on preachings, I'm learning more and more and more. And so when you think that you reach your limit, you have to self-reflect and say, am I really reaching my limit of knowing the Bible? And what you realize is that it can take your whole lifetime to even understand what's going on in the Bible, and that's okay. But know that God has put the Bible in place so that you are never bored. I mean, the Bible, uh, people think it's boring. It is not boring. It is not boring. There is wars. There is miracles. There is um, victory at the end of time and end time things. There is the beginning of creation. I mean, the Bible is not boring. And what you realize is when you tell yourself, I know enough, you don't truly know enough. And there's more to study. There's more to find. The um, Bible is almost like the um, Where's Waldo books. You constantly have something to find. You constantly have something to find. And when you want to think that you found everything, you go in again and you find it again. Number five is pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. And this is one of the important things about reading the Bible is to have this relationship with God. Because if you're not having a relationship with God while reading the Bible, then what are you reading the Bible for? It's simply a book at that point. And what I want you to know is that the Bible is much more than a book than it is instructions in how to live a fulfilling and holy life. And so knowing how to read the Bible is essential to knowing the Word of God that brings life, that breaks down temptation, that ushers in peace, that gives a second chance, that doesn't divide but actually unites, that is like a double-edged sword that cuts through the lies of the world and the enemy. Knowing how to read the Bible is foundational. It's something that you need to do because it helps you to live a purpose-driven life that leads to Jesus And Jesus is the reason to live. It is not drugs. It is not money. It is not to be famous. The reason to live is Jesus. And at the end of time, the one that's going to judge you at the end of your life is not me, is not the people around you. Who is it? It's Jesus. And so knowing your Bible is essential to knowing your God. Reading the Bible for Christians or even new believers should not be a choice, but should be recognized as a necessity because it is the very way you're going to know who Jesus is. With this series of spiritual disciplines of an imperfect life, I hope that you have been equipped for a good fight. We talked about worship We talked about serving, we talked about sacrifice, we talked about how to read the word, we talked about so many things, and my hope for you through this series is that you will learn to fight the good fight against the world, and that you will know what is necessary to be a disciple of Jesus. And I hope that I simplified it, and I I gave you the instructions as clear as I could Because it's essential to living a fulfilling life is knowing who Jesus is. And so let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are good. I thank you, Lord, that we could read your word and that it can come alive to us. That the minute that we think we know everything about the Bible, there's another thing to learn. Father, that just shows how deep and how wide the love is for us. Father, I pray that we would be pushed, that we would be motivated to read our word, not just to come on church on Sundays, but to read your word so that we can get to know the one we worship, the one we live for, Jesus. Father, show us that the Bible isn't boring. Show us that it isn't as hard to understand as we think, and help us to not be ashamed of of learning new things. Father, we pray that in this season, even as the new year comes closer and closer, that we would dedicate time to read our word, to be consistent, and to know who you are, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are patient, that you are kind, and that your love never ends. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand with me today. Well, everyone, I hope you have an amazing Sunday. Remember, read your word. Be consistent. It's how to know Jesus and how to know how to live a fulfilled life. Have a good Sunday.